Welcome back again, listeners. Hello. Hi. This week, we are going to talk about musicians that have franchises or sort of corporate sponsorships outside of, you know, their music industry. Um, or like, um, what do you call it? Like uh, financial investments into various yeah, uh, exactly brands or what, what have you. Um, exactly. So this was actually originally going to be, because uh, this kind of forked off of our original idea, which was going to be musicians with theme parks. Um, but there were only really two that we could find. And this kind of just made more sense as a broader topic. So Yeah, um, yeah. I was disappointed by this severe lack of <laughs> musicians with their own theme parks. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Kissland? For sure. So yeah. Uh, so this this should be interesting, and I, I this list that you came up with is actually pretty cool. And so the, I haven't heard of most of these. So yeah. the The funny thing is, in um, researching this, there's, I mean, there's no shortage of musicians that um, have their financial toes dipped into other industries. I just kind of did mm-hmm. a selection of five that I thought were interesting, but I mean, it. It makes sense. I mean, it, it's not just musicians, even, you know, actors, sports, athletes, you yeah. know, when you make that much money, you know, you want to basically diversify your income outside of just, hey, I play a sport or hey, I play music because you never know when, you know, that's going to end. Um, also, it's just, I mean, I, I not that I can really relate to people who have millions of dollars, but like, I feel like not. it's also just... Um, uh, it's, it's it's an interesting kind of it's I mean, not hobbies but just like other interests like or just doing other things with your life diversifying what you do because like if you're an actor or a singer like that's great but you know i'm sure these people want to have other things going on as well yeah yeah i mean it it's it's for when they make that much money it's just kind of smart to kind of put that money to work in different things so if any one thing fails it's like hey i'm not you know I have no income for the next 30 years. Right. And I suppose this also, this isn't necessarily, I mean, this isn't like singers who advertise for certain products or appeared on commercials or something. Cause it's kind of, that's kind of different from having an actual stake in like investing in the companies and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. It's not like, you know, Taylor Swift advertising for Pepsi or whatever she does. Yeah. It's, musicians that have stakes in in these companies whether they be through franchises uh whether they be through um you know partial ownership whatever mm-hmm. so yeah like i said there's dozens of artists that have stakes or franchises in different things i just picked five that were interesting i i'm sure i can pick another five if we ever want to do a part two but we're just going to go down the list and the first artist that i found that was kind of funny is uh rick ross for those of you that don't know, Rick Ross is a rapper. He is often featured. He's like Pitbull. He's featured in everybody else's uh, music. <laughs> uh, in like 2000, I think it was like 2006, he released his, his first single called Hustlin'. Uh, and it was so popular that he ended up basically being the target of a bidding war between different um, record labels. Basically, uh, <laughs> stop fighting over me. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say worst, worst position to be in, I guess. Hmm. Um, Basically, uh, P. Diddy's Bad Boy Entertainment and Irv Gotti's uh, Murder, Inc. uh, were basically 
uh, in a bidding war to have him. And then he eventually just ended up signing a multi-million dollar deal with Jay-Z's Def Jam mm. records. So he basically said bye, Felicia, uh, to both of those guys. <laughs> so he, after that, he released his debut album, Port of Miami, uh, through the label, which went to the top spot on the Billboard 200 pretty much instantly. So he's a pretty uh, pretty famous rapper. Uh, I don't know a ton of his songs. I know he's featured in a lot of stuff, but I don't know any a lot of his uh, solo stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I know the name, but I, I don't know. I guess I'm not up in the modern rap scene enough to really yeah yeah same same here my my rap uh aside from like childish gambino and and stuff my rap knowledge kind of ends at like 2002 i was gonna gonna say my rap knowledge ends at like 1989 (laughs) or 79 i don't know anything after curtis blow pretty much (laughs) i exaggerate listeners so while Rick Ross is a very famous rapper and makes lots of money, uh, he decided to diversify his uh, business acumen uh, by investing in Wingstop. So basically, mm. yeah, he owns, uh, as a franchisee, 25 uh, restaurants of the fast casual chicken wing chain. Uh, and he loves them so much that he has done everything from talking about his favorite flavor of the wings, which is lemon pepper, um, I will say that I've never had Wingstop's lemon pepper wings, but lemon pepper wings in general are the shit. I like mm-hmm. mine boneless though. I'm, I'm, I'm a, what's the word? I'm not a real wing enthusiast. I, I always I say this, that. but I don't care. Boneless wings are basically just adult chicken nuggets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that though. I think <laughs> I like them better. <laughs> he also bragged about his stake in the company in, um, a song that he is he is featured on because he's featured on a lot of stuff now i found this song its song is called trap boomin which he released in 2012 and i want to play play the clip of him talking about uh his stake in wingstop because it's pretty funny when i pull out my money even these old niggas watching I hit a lick and went and bought a wing stop. 20 I sprinkled lemon pepper in that re-ride. I took my time, I had to build a fortress. Uh, straight flowers in my closet look like Walters. Step out the pins, I got my Gucci. So, uh, the location of Rick Ross's uh, wing stop empire are uh, Miami, Harlem, uh, San Francisco, and suburban Atlanta. And, uh, I have a quote here from him that he told to Complex Media, which is a music magazine, uh, kind of lifestyle magazine, too. Uh, He said, quote, I had never tasted it before. As soon as I tasted it, I knew that anybody who tasted it would like it. (laughs) That is a sales pitch if I ever heard it. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Imagine imagine going to a restaurant and being like, wow, this is really good, and then owning 25 of them because you like it so much that i was gonna say yeah that's kind of the that's kind of how a lot of these you know rich millionaires end up owning these franchises is they're just like you know i really like papa john's i want to own 30 of them (laughs) it's just like i can't even fathom like having that much money to do that i don't know i feel like there's a difference between liking a food and then wanting to basically own several businesses that make that food i don't know i'd rather just eat it (laughs) I, I think the reason a lot of them get into the franchising business with these restaurants is because it's... Basically of, just free money. 
yeah, it, it kind of is. It's easy money. They don't have to do any advertising. The, the, you know, the product sells themselves through the overall corporation. Um, basically, they just, you know, have to put down an initial investment and then they reap whatever profits those stores make. Right. Now, depending on how hands-on they want to be, they may hire the managers and the employees um, of the chains, but they may not even do that. They may just be the owners, right. you know. Depends on it's so it's kind of as hands on or hands off as you want it to be, and you basically just get to make profit because you just dumped a bunch of money into it. Well, speaking of money, listeners, um, our next singer is uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, now, I will be honest. When I was first reading through the script, Kyle, um, I misread it as Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, you could." I mean, he's got a lot of money. Fuck. I didn't know he sang. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Buffett, on the other hand, uh, so he's an American singer, songwriter, musician, author, actor, and businessman. Uh, best known for his music, which often portrays like an island escapism sort of lifestyle vibe sort of thing going on. That was a sentence. Um, together with his Coral Reefer band, um, Buffett has recorded hit songs, including Margaritaville, which <laughs> ranks 234th on the Recording Industry Association of America's Songs of the Century. It's pretty up there. Honestly, yeah. I, I don't know a lot about Jimmy Buffett. I know he, he's basically the musical version of Tommy Bahama. That's the best way I can describe him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I just I just see him as perpetually in a Hawaiian shirt with, like, the white zinc on his nose holding a margarita. Pretty much. Can you blame him? No. <laughs> um, well, listeners, to help get you into this atmosphere of island escapism let's listen to a little clip of margaritaville you are telling me that you don't like margaritas kyle yeah i mean they're all right, but they're just not my favorite uh, blended drink. Mm. I'm if I were to pick, I'd probably like a pina colada more. Okay. Uh, I don't like the salt part of margaritas either. I'm just like I don't want salt in uh. my drink. I want sweet. So yeah, that's that's Kyle's alcohol corner. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are gonna get concerned if that becomes a regular thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, where's Kyle? He's in his alcohol corner again. <laughs> um, so I guess Jimmy Buffett, um, sometime around 2000 or so, he bought a Krispy Kreme f- franchise in West Palm Beach in Florida. And in 2002, Buffett, the parent company, so I, is that the The parent Krispy company Kreme? that owns Krispy Kreme. I, Got it. I, they're like a conglomerate. Okay. And then other Floridian uh, Krispy Kreme franchisers combined their operations to create the South Florida Partnership, all capitalized, um, which oversees and is in charge of accelerating all Krispy Kreme growth in the area. That's it. So I guess he independently owned a handful of them and they all kind of joined forces. Yeah. Like. Somehow I just imagine like a boardroom with a bunch of suits discussing like how do we increase Krispy Kreme profits and then Jimmy Buffett just walks in in like a Hawaiian shirt in the <laughs> meeting 
I uh, it's been a while since I've had Krispy Kreme. Same, TBH. same. I I like that this entire episode is just an excuse for us to talk about food. Yeah. So uh, we we basically we like chicken nuggets. We like donuts. <laughs> I'm three hundred pounds. Um, what else? What what's the next product that we like, Kyle? Uh, the next product is uh, a little bit healthier than donuts or chicken nuggets. Uh, it is vitamin water, which I don't think mm. I've ever drank. I was going to um, say, I don't think I've ever had vitamin water. No, I don't think I have either. God, I remember when that was f- popular as hell. Is it? I mean, obviously it's still around. I, I'm it's still sorry. around, but I don't think it's like crazy popular like it was for a while. Yeah. I think it was just kind of the first major player in that sort of flavored water that's kind of healthy, but also kind of not yeah, <laughs> uh, game. Yeah. Yeah. But... um. One of the biggest uh, investors into vitamin water is actually 50 Cent. I know we've talked about 50 Cent on this show before. We talked about his video game. <laughs> <laughs> actually, his multiple video games. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, for those of you that don't know, he's a huge rapper from like the late 90s through the 2000s. He's still kind of big. So, I guess early on in the history of vitamin water, 50 Cent uh, agreed to endorse the product for a minority share in the company. Together, he uh, and Vitamin Water dropped branded beverage called Formula 50. Hmm. And fast forward a decade from then, when Coca-Cola acquired uh, Vitamin Water, including 50 cents minority share, and it ended up being worth $500 million. God damn. That's... that's (laughs) Wait, just just his share or the entire... Just his minority share of it. Holy shit. So hang on, so let me look at Coca-Cola. They probably bought the company for a couple billion. They purchased vitamin water in 2007 for $4.1 billion. Damn. So he owned like an eighth of it? I guess. That's crazy. That's well, pretty, he was I smart mean, to get in on it early. I was going to say, that's pretty savvy on his part. Yeah. To be like, you know, I'll be in your commercial, but instead of just paying me a flat fee, give me a stake in the company. Well, who could have known that it was going to be so popular, though? Yeah, I don't know if Coca-Cola discontinued vitamin water, because I know recently they actually have have cut a lot of the brands that they, over the years, have acquired um, hmm. to save money, I guess. Um, Which is weird, so I don't know. because you pay all this money to take these brands on, and then you kind of dump them off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it's an investment like anything else. If it doesn't pay off, they just cut their losses, but yeah, it's kind of weird. Anyway, so um, it looks like you have a fun link here that maybe we'll get to listen to. Yeah, I just I found a fun commercial that 50 Cent did uh, for vitamin water uh, back in 2009, and it's just it's just weird. So let's give a listen. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it works better visually. But yeah, we can uh, we can play a little clip from this commercial. Okay. Man, what's that, man? What well, ain't me, man? Ain't me as a spokesperson, man. I mean, the girls be with me, man. They need a refreshing drink, man. In the back, I give them a refreshing drink so they can keep working, man. The finals are here. Dwight and Kobe are the best of the best. Vitamin water's right there with them. The best of the best drink, right here. Good luck, the best of the best. We'll see who really is the best. 50 Cent. Is this even a commercial? What the fuck is this? I don't know, but it was amazing. <laughs> That's guerrilla marketing for you. Um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, that was good. Yeah. So, yeah. although 50 Cent did make uh, a 
small fortune uh, from his stake in vitamin water. Uh, not all of his investments uh, hit that much of a jackpot. He attempted to uh, create a headphones partnership with SMS Audio hmm. to compete with Beats by Dre. Um, but basically that didn't pan out uh, and because no one's ever heard of 50 of, of cents by 50. <laughs> he does uh, apparently also have a successful film production company called Cheetah Vision, hmm. which uh, pumps out low-budget action movies for foreign markets, which huh. sounds kind of amazing. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, I might have to research that later on and see what kind of like horrible B- B- movies they are. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. speaking of Beats by Dre, Kyle, the next item in our list is Beats by Dre, by Dr. Dre. Now that's a segue. <laughs> So some of you listeners may remember um, the age of the uh, the iPod, but obviously, you know, as part of the Apple brand, you know, into the 2000s to 2010s, um, you know, the those iconic white earbuds from Apple were, you know, always probably the most common headphones out there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so in the in the 2000s, Dr. Dre was basically like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if people?" instead of wearing these shitty little earbuds, if they wore like actual quote unquote boutique headphones, uh, that not only looked good, but they sounded really good too and had great bass. Um, so in 2006 beats electronics was born and, uh, thanks to a well curated stable of celebrity clients like Lady Gaga and LeBron James, uh, beats by Dre headphones became the industry standard almost overnight. Yeah. I was going to comment. Um, I remember the Beats headphones taking off when we were at Chapman, which was probably by that point, like what, 2009, 10? Um, Ish. But as much as people like to rag on his headphones, he kind of single-handedly brought back the popularity of over-ear headphones. Because yeah. really up until that yeah. point, everyone was just wearing earbuds. Well, I know, because you had the whole generational shift away from over-ear headphones to earbuds during this time. But then you're right, I think... That I mean, Beats by Dre. I feel like I mean, not obviously not literally single handedly, but I think they. I think they've really been the most uh, prominent, like high quality over ear headphone brand that mm-hmm. like you could go. Like if someone told you to name one, that's probably one of the few that you would think of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He basically turned himself into like the Apple of uh, of headphones by. Yeah. creating a sort of luxury air around a brand which i suppose similar to apple i think a certain amount of that um the it comes with an inflated price oh yeah you know because of the uh, luxury of the brand and all that mm-hmm. i mean there was t- i've seen teardowns of the headphones especially the earlier models where mm-hmm. they literally put um pieces of of uh metal in the headband as a way to basically give the headphone more weight that doesn't actually add any functionality. It's just oh, people associate heft with, you know, quality. Huh. Well, I mean, as so long as they fun. are actually built with quality, I suppose it's not a bad thing if they, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never owned any beats by Dre headphones. I haven't either. Actually. Um, they recently came out with, cause with like these fairly inexpensive, sort of workout style ones that were, they were like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I thought about getting a pair of those just to try out. But Now, I assume, 
I mean, I, they would almost be stupid if they didn't do this. Is like I assume they also have within their brand uh, earbuds and all that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the over ear ones were like the first, but they branched out into you know every version of headphones you can have. They have um, the wireless ear pod ones now, the Bluetooth mm. ones. They have workout headphones. They have the full over ear ones. So yeah, good stuff. Well, I mean, I I think of the. Of the ones in this list today, I think this is the one that uh, you could say makes makes the most sense for a you know a rapper, singer, musician. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like headphones has a very close ties with the music listening experience. You know. Yeah, yeah, very, very good point. Well, remember, um, I don't remember if we did an entire episode on it, but I know we talked about it. Um, uh, Neil Young had that goofy. Um, uh, oh yeah, an MP3 MP3 player that played uh, Lossless Files. Yeah, this whole thing was like you know, oh MP3s are crap. You know, you got to listen to music the way it was meant to be. Blah yeah. blah blah. But his MP3 player looked like a freaking like prism. It was like triangular. Yeah. Um, hang on, I'm trying to look it up on getyourfunk.com, but I can't spell. So I'm. I need to add. I fairly need to add some search terms to this episode because I can't figure out where it is. Uh, MP3. Let's search that. It should not be taking this list. This is the worst commercial for our <laughs> Fuck! I need to add more search terms. Our website works. We swear. So, should we listen to a, uh, like an audio clip of an, an interview with Dr. Dre uh, about yeah. watching beats? Yeah, I stumbled upon, in doing research, I stumbled upon an interview uh, with him and Diddy and some other guy uh, when they first launched Beats, and they were just being interviewed about the product, and I thought, uh, you know, hearing the words from his mouth would offer some insight. Andre, a a lot of uh, icons have have went to fashion, tennis shoes, clothes. What was was the impetus behind you deciding to go behind technology and headphones to, to get behind Beats by Dre? No, I'm basically just standing behind sound, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not that deep into fashion or anything like that, so I don't think I'll be able to do that to my best ability. So sound, I know that, you know what I mean? So I can I can always make something sound with it, you know what I mean? So that's why this was such a perfect fit, and it just feels organic. So I, I want to circle back around to what we, when we were trying to figure out that episode, Yes. Uh, that we did previously. I found it. Uh, it's episode 106. We kind of talked about different like high resolution music players and like what value they add to the market and all that. Um, mm. in, in the time since we discussed that, I also fixed the search terms on it. So now if you type in Neil Young on getyourfunk.com, it will come up. <laughs> nice. So I guess to, to kind of wrap up the whole thing about Beats by Dre. So I guess uh, Beats as a company or as a brand has since expanded into the world of music streaming and computer speakers. I didn't know but, that. But it was uh, Dre's headphones that inspired Apple to shell out $3.2 billion, um, for the company in May of 2014. I completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just talking about Apple. So, hey, it's, look, it's all relevant, listeners. Yeah. We planned it. Um, <laughs> and, and just like that, uh, Dre went from Death Row Records to a private jet heading for Apple iPhone 6 party. So. Yay. Uh, yeah, basically, they paid stupid money for him and basically made him a billionaire. So, but he's still involved in it? Or he has some yeah, stake in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's still involved in the process. Um, it's just, you know, a subsidiary of Apple. Basically, they hmm. they bought uh, the company for 
some of its intellectual property, and they also wanted to be, to put what's called their W2 Bluetooth chips in the Beats headphones, which makes pairing with iPhones like stupid simple. Uh, you basically okay. just like touch the iPhone to the Beats headphones, and they pair. Uh, Not to be confused with the W2 Tax Form listeners. Yes. <laughs> so we have one more thing in this list, Kyle. Um, yes. And it's very different from headphones. Yes. Uh, so the last person on the list that we pretty much couldn't get away without talking about uh, is Dolly Parton um, and her magical amusement park called Dollywood. Um, and this is kind of the remnants of the original idea for this episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know if we've talked about Dolly Parton on this show before because she's a country singer. We've probably mentioned her once or twice. Yeah. She's uh, she's an American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, actress, author, businesswoman, and humanitarian, uh, known mostly for her work in country music. Basically, she's like the country female version of Dre. I never would have thought of her that way, but yeah, I guess that As makes in, sense. like, you know, really famous for their business acumen, I guess. I was going to say, I mean, like, it's almost, I mean... I granted that she's not you know in her musical prime these days but i i feel like i know her more as just like a entrepreneur than a musician kind of uh, yeah that could um, be a generational thing but yeah it could be i i didn't grow up with her music so i i know her more for like her other uh, endeavors right. uh, it said that she's actually been called the wealthiest uh singer in country music with an estimated net worth of 450 million dollars oof her songwriting has yielded uh, big hits, such as her songs uh, I Will Always Love You, which was sung memorably by the late Whitney Houston. So she hmm. uh, wrote that song. That's awesome. Hmm. And her business ventures outside of music include film and television production, as well as the Dollywood Theme Park, which is located in Tennessee, which uh, hosts approximately 3 million visitors annually. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. It's like the Disneyland of, like, Redneck area. <laughs> Redneck Disneyland. Shout out to our listeners from Tennessee. Yeah, right. Um, so apparently on top of that, it's actually the biggest tourist attraction in the entire state of Tennessee, which I don't know what that says about Tennessee. Says it's awesome because Dollywood's there. That's true. And in addition to standard theme park rides, uh, it also features traditional crafts and music from the Smoky Mountain area. It hosts a number of concerts and musical events every year. Hmm. including appearances by Dolly Parton and her family, as well as other national and local musical talents. Hmm. Um, it's also the site of the Southern Gospel Museum and Hall of Fame. Huh. So that's kind of cool. Um, um, do you know how, um, and obviously we can't go too far down a rabbit hole with any of these specific ones for doing this list, but do you know how it came about that she even got that park? Or like, like how did that even like how that idea even come around Dollywood theme park here we go Dollywood history since 1986 visitors from around the world have come acquainted with the Dollywood name in existence however the entertainment park actually traces its route back to 1961 oh, wow. when Rebel Railroad first opened the site that over time has expanded and grown into Dollywood oh so it originally started as a as a different theme park uh, it was called Rebel Railroad, owned by the Robbins Brothers from North Carolina, which operated a small-scale attraction that featured a coal-fired steam train, oh. uh, a general store, blacksmith shop, blah, blah, blah. So it was like a like, like a 
Western theme. So it's kind themed. of like a uh, um, fucking uh, Knott's Berry Farm almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then eventually it expanded into basically Dollywood after Dolly Parton. And uh, there's a there's another investor behind the park. I forget their name, but they own like different theme parks around the country. That's like their shtick. Okay. Um, it was a joint partnership between her and them that basically turned it into Dollywood in the by the eighties. So yeah, I was gonna is so it says uh, she bought an interest in it and in 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 the nineteen eighty six season it opened as Dollywood. That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like it had like three different names prior to that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that was what I was wondering is it was either like she had this dream to open her <laughs> like own Disney or amusement park yeah. or she kind of just bought something that was out there and branded it. Yeah. Her, which it is, sounds like it's more the latter. Um, yeah. A little bit. Um, maybe they wanted to, you know, revitalize the area. I know, I know she's, uh, she's always been a big proponent of Tennessee in the South in general. So maybe it was kind of also an attempt to bring tourism to, you know, a languishing area of Tennessee. Who knows? Well, there's a quote here from her. It says, quote, I always thought that if I made it big or got successful at what I had started out to do, I wanted to come back to my part of the country and do something great, something that would bring a lot of jobs to the area. So there you go. What a nice one. Uh, yeah, she's super, she's super nice when it comes to that. I I forgot where I read this, but like every year she donates like literal, like almost a million dollars to like basically give free books to like children to like learn how to read and shit too in the, in That's that, in the area. Yeah, it's it's some program she started, but it, yeah, she's basically like the Tom Hanks of uh, music. She's like so nice that no one has anything bad to say about her. She's like if Tom Hanks and Dr. Dre remix into a woman and sang country music with huge boobs. Uh, much. Um, <laughs> so, um, Kyle, I think if you and I ever do a a road trip to Tennessee, we should go there. Very true. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I went to Tennessee, I don't know what I would want to see because uh, that's where Graceland is too, right? The Elvis thing. Let me look it up. Uh, I'm not a huge Elvis fan, but I, I'm kind of surprised that's not the biggest tourist yeah. attraction. Yeah, it's in Memphis. Yeah, I, I think it would be cool to see Memphis if I ever got to Tennessee. Um, yeah, that's where Graceland is as well. So, yeah, there's definitely some music history there, listeners. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like you have an interview... Here. Yeah, so in doing research for this, I, I stumbled upon a, a fairly recent interview from uh, uh, USA Today, uh, where Jenna Bush, who is the daughter of George Bush, mm-hmm. um, interviews Dolly Parton at Dollywood just about the park and all that stuff. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. cheesy, like, you know, news fluff like they like to do, especially in morning shows. Right. Uh, but Wake up with Dolly. You wake up with Dolly. It sounded a little dirty, sorry. A little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she's got some interesting insights into, like, you know, why she started the park. And, you know, she just likes, she likes the sound of children laughing and stuff like that. You know, there was a bunch of us kids. We were just country people and poor people. That's one of the reasons we kind of themed this little area where we are now, the Wildwood Grove. Kind of based on country kids and all that we used to be part of the bears and the frogs and the, the birds and the bees and the butterflies. I always loved butterflies. Yeah, like I said, this is just five people that we picked uh, that I thought were interesting. There's dozens of other celebrities out there that have their hands in different franchises or uh, corporate, you know, 
uh, part, partial ownership. But yeah, if you listeners can think of any other musicians that we didn't cover, uh, you can let us know on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. You can also listen to this episode as well as others on uh, our website, getyourfunk.com, as well as all places that podcasts are podcasted, including Spotify. Uh, uh, it's not Google Play anymore. It's Google Podcasts. Uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts. I think it's just iTunes. And I, You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for investing your time, listeners, in this show. And you can also invest your money into (laughs) us at getyourfunk.com. Go to the New York Stock Exchange, look up the stock called Funk, and we're there. Take all all of your winnings from uh, Game Stonks and uh, give them to us. We're going to listen back on this episode like 10 years from now and be like, what the fuck we were talking about? Exactly. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Anyway, we love you. That's true. Bye. <laughs>